everyone. Welcome to episode 48 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And today we're talking about the David Lowry film, The Green Knight. It's a highly anticipated uh, A24 film. Um, back, we were back on this podcast. It's been a little bit of a hiatus, a little bit of time off. I had to travel around the world and resettle myself in South Korea, but we mm-hmm. are back in the Vague Zone to get it done. So I guess we're going to get this started. Daniel, what did you think of The Green Knight? Uh, so I'm going to read the IMDb synopsis first. Oh, yes. I, I, forgot how, I forgot how we do this. Yeah. Uh, so, the IMDb synopsis, it's, I might as well not read it. Um, it is no, a, fantasy, <laughs> a, a fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Doesn't tell you anything. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that doesn't help us at all. Um, but yeah, what did I think of the Green Knight? Um, let me start by saying what I thought of the trailer. I saw this fucking trailer, and... I was so excited for this movie. This movie was supposed to come out uh, in 2020. Of course, COVID fucked all of that up. And for over a year, I've been waiting for this movie. Uh, I remember showing the trailer to my brother-in-law, Colson, and he said, I want to know everything about that world um, because he was really taken with it, too. It was sort of like, I remember when um, Mad Max Fury Road that trailer came out and I was just like showing it to everyone who hadn't seen it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was really excited for this movie and then I saw it and it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a solid movie. Yeah, not, yeah. I feel like I was, a li- I was a little underwhelmed just because I was anticipating it so much. Um, I wasn't, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I wasn't in love with it as I had hoped, but I think that was, was kind of an impossible uh, thing to achieve. But um, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I had listened to the poem on a uh, long car ride. I listened to an audiobook of the poem. I okay. di- I didn't fully pay attention to it, but I I had you know heard enough that uh, I knew the basic trajectory of the story, and so I never felt lost. And some of the people I've talked to about this movie, they say they felt lost. They thought it was kind of confusing. Uh, one person recommended like you don't watch this believing it is totally linear which i don't totally understand i feel like you could watch this as a linear story and it it functions just fine um but yeah overall i really liked it dev patel is great um what's his name the, uh ralph ennison as the green knight an incredible voice yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. like i just want to see more of that character the cinematography is wonderful the design is wonderful i love how it takes its time it's very patient um it yeah, kind of feels yeah. it kind of reminded me of like um it's like a arthurian mandy a little bit with like how it really takes its time and it's it's not necessarily hypnotic uh just more like contemplative um but yeah what did you think of the green knight yeah i'm kind of with you i like did the traditional thomas thing where i like once i saw the trailer i actually tried not to watch it anymore i tried mm-hmm. to avoid as much green knight anything until you know, until I saw the movie, there was a like a picture floating around Twitter of uh, Dev Patel holding the giant heart. And when I saw that, I just started blocking and muting everything. I was like, I, I don't want to see fucking anything. Yeah. I want to go completely blind. And I think I kind of benefited from that. I was really sucked in to this movie. I like really, really enjoyed it the first time. And then I went back and read a little bit of the classic poem and got a little bit of the more of the King Arthur information in there. Learned more about like the five uh, chivalrous, I don't know, like the five virtues, like mm. knightly virtues or whatever. So to help me like kind of understand the, yeah. the general structure of things. But 
I'm a little with you. It's like, I, I love this movie. I'm really, really into it. The performances are great and it's a gorgeous film. Probably one of my favorite A24 movies just because it's not as like extreme as like Midsummer or uh, Hereditary or something like that. But yeah, I, I really like this movie, but I, yeah, I'm with you. I feel like it is missing uh, missing something. It is like a, a solid film, but I feel like there's just, I don't know, something not quite there, but I... I don't know. I think there's a lot to love about this movie. I think the writing is really good. And I think it's also like a lesson in uh, show, not tell. Cause like the last 20, 30 minutes of the movie, or it's just like purely just visual storytelling. And like, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that entire sequence towards the end. We can get to that in a little bit further in our conversation, but yeah, I, w- I was really into this. And yeah. I, I do understand the criticisms of like, it, it does feel a little uh, lofty and kind of aimless towards the middle. And it, it is a little, uh, I don't want to say opaque or is it a little, it's, I don't know. It's a little uh, withholding of some information. Sometimes I feel like, you know, they're, they're leading it to us to kind of fill in the blanks a little bit. Yeah. Um, did you, so yeah, you said you had read some of the poem. Was that after you'd seen the movie? Yeah. So I watched it the first time. Then I read like up until, when the Green Knight basically challenges him in like the round table and then had other stuff I had to do. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty uh, long poem. So I was like, unfortunately I wasn't able to finish it, but I do like some of the details in the writing. They like really describe the Green Knight as like this very extravagant looking. It's like a lot more gold and a lot more like, uh, there's more like a flashiness to him when yeah. you know, like describing him in the written form. But then this adaptation is, is like more, just like he's a being of the forest <laughs> he's like yeah like a royal Groot. <laughs> he's like you know he's, he's like the performance is like fantastic yeah i really really like uh barry kogan and yeah like uh, everyone else in this movie is really great too like sean harris is the king he's really he's playing a very like muted and subtle king arthur and yeah there's like there's a lot of really good performance in, in this movie and I think that's why it's like kind of sticking with me so did you when you first watch it did you experience like confusion about like what the story because like i've talked to some people and they said like they didn't really they said like it 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 didn't really make sense to them (laughs) and i'm wondering like because i had already i was already kind of familiar with the poem so i didn't feel lost when i was watching it i felt pretty grounded i'm i'm wondering if you going into this without knowing the story initially like what Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely was lost. Like okay. yeah, op- opening shot with like kind of, I guess we're gonna start kind of dig into it a little bit, but yeah, opening shot. There's like some geese. There's like a, a guy laying near a barn, and there's like a, a house. It's like burning in the back, and then we put the camera sort of pulls back, and it's uh, Gawain inside of like a brothel. We find a learning there. Like oh yeah, Christ is born. They're talking about that, so we know it's Christmas time. Yeah, and then we get the sequence of. Yeah, the round table, the feast, and the Green Knight coming in to propose this Christmas game. And he, like, gives this whole spiel, like, and simultaneously we're seeing his mom do, like, this ceremony inside of, yeah. like, the castle. And so at that point I was like, okay, like, I don't really know, like, is, is are people possessed in this movie? I wasn't really sure. And then, yeah, it's, it, it gets a little muddy after that because, yeah, Alicia Vikander's in this film. She's... Uh, playing two roles and then there's yeah. another character who shows up later that looks similar to another character that shows up later so i was kind of falling victim to some face blindness in this <laughs> towards another the character this so wait what who, who are, is that last pair that you're referring so to? um 
Aaron Kellyman, who plays Winifred, looked very similar to the other wife that shows up to, at least when she first showed up, I was like, wait, is that supposed to be mm. a reference to, because they both have like kind of red hair, lighter complexion. And I was like, oh, is this like, like uh, this person again? I was just kind of like, no, I was just kind of confused. I was just like, okay. okay. So it's just those few moments. And then there's some other parts where, yeah, it's, it seems to be just like symbolic, like just purely just symbolism, like the whole this movie has like little uh titles before like these main parts and so i kind of understood like yeah the christmas game and the journey outward but then there's some other parts in it that are a little bit more yeah just slightly more just visual and kind of just like i wasn't sure what was happening uh like go into that what do you what do you mean uh the thing with the giants like i wasn't sure okay. what was going i had a on. feeling that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so i wasn't in sure the... what was going on with that so having read the poem so i remember i saw the trailer for this movie I think it's the second trailer reveals too much stuff. It reveals the giants. It reveals the talking fox. And I kind of wish I hadn't watched that going into this. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't do that either. <laughs> yeah. Emily, Emily, she saw the teaser and she was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm sold. Like, I don't need to see anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the way to do it. <laughs> but I was like, nah, I just like, give me everything. I, I want to know everything about this. I can't wait. Um, and so, yeah, having read the poem, the giants are only mentioned in like, one sentence or something like that like okay. it says something like he journeyed along and there were giants like it's something that simple um and so i think uh david lowry he just he read this and he was like you know what there there that needs to we need to spend some more time on that like what <laughs> yeah. can we extract from here because there's a lot of interesting stuff that kind of just gets brushed by because the poem is mostly concerned with uh gawain and the lady and yeah. how she keeps trying to advance upon him and he keeps like rejecting her advances and you know he he's he's interested but he's he's got to be a nice he's got to be a chivalrous knight and he must be respectful and all that um yeah. which obviously plays out a little differently in this movie um this is a very different interpretation of gawain in in the poem gawain is he is a knight through and through um and yeah in this one I feel like so, so the whole movie is Gawain being tested and failing over and over and over. He's being put in these different situations and he's failing to perform as a knight should uh, with the yeah. headless with the headless woman. She she says, you know, find my head in the in the lake or whatever. And he says, what do I get out of it? And she's like, why would you ask me that? Um, it's like, why would a knight ask yeah. her that? But, but before you go, I think we should name off the five uh, knightly virtues. OK, see, I don't know about this. So, okay, yeah. I, I, like I give credit to Reddit for this because I had no idea I had to do some comment research on that. So the five nightly virtues are as follows: uh, friendship, generosity, chastity, courtesy, and piety. Okay, and so throughout this movie, those are all tested. Yeah, and so it gets sort of tested with piety at the very beginning when Essel uh, is like, "Let's go to church." It's uh, Christ is born, and he's like, "No," and he's like, just kind of yeah, brushing that up. Yeah, yeah, just wants to get in, get out. And then, yeah, like this test, like the scene with Winifred, yeah, it's like she like says, hey, like my head is at the bottom of this lake. And he's like, well, what do I get out of it? And it's just like, oh, yeah. come on, dude. Like, you're supposed it's to, like, like, why would you ask me that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's but like, like the, the, the characters are sort of like criticizing him because everyone perceives him as a knight, but he is clearly just like undercutting himself or underselling himself. Yeah, but, okay, so this is my... All right, so so the whole movie is him being tested and he's failing. 
And then we finally get to the Green Knight at the end, and he's going to have his showdown or whatever. It's not even a showdown. He's just going to kneel down, and uh, the Knight will return the blow. Um, and so we get this moment of him like backing out over and over. Then we get the flash or the flash forward, the vision, I guess, mm-hmm. of what would happen if he did back out, and he would be, uh, you know, a dishonorable leader, and a lot of suffering would unfold. And so he he decides to go through with it, and then we we have we end with this line, uh, "Off with your head," right? <laughs> so off with your head, um, which we can have a whole conversation about that line, but in, in a second. But there was a ending for this movie that was shot and isn't in the movie, where uh, Gawain gets his head chopped off by the okay. knife, <laughs> and uh, David Lowry like decided like, well, maybe we'll leave it a little more uh, ambiguous because off. Now, now off with your head. It could be now off, like off with you, like uh, like go away with your head, or yeah, it yeah. could obviously be, I'm gonna take your fucking head off. Um, yeah, and, and so he like scratches like, his neck while he like does like a little the neck yeah. motion right before he does it. And so it feels like you know we've just seen this guy fail over and over and over again, and then at the end he decides like no, I'm gonna be a man of my word. I'm gonna allow this blow to take place, and it feels like. David Lowery with that uh, alternate ending, he's ba- it feels like he's kind of mocking the idea of like a knight by saying like, what the fuck good is honor? What the fuck good is like being a knight if it's just going to get you killed? Like, like he's failed this whole way through, but what are those failures? He's just being a normal dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you bring that up because on the second rewatch, I was thinking a lot more about, yeah, just that whole thing about like, he could die at any point and like, you know, what like his song, so to speak, or his adventure would, would just be like the myth left out there. So like, it wouldn't yeah. be finished. And I think they sort of uh, visualize that in a really clever, at least an interesting way when he meets up with a uh, Barry Cogan's character, uh, yeah. the scavenger, and he gets tied up and they like, just leave him to basically just die in the forest. And there's like this really nice circular pan shots, panoramic shot where it goes around and, when we get back to him, you just see like a skeleton inside mm-hmm. of the clothes. It's like at the base of the tree. And I was like, yeah, I was like, what if that was just the end of Gawain right there? Like no one would be able to really know if he died here or if he died at the hands of the Green Knight. So I thought that was a nice little visual hint at that. And like, there's this whole thing with, you know, the stories that get told of these characters is that that is the legacy. And so with the scavenger, he's telling the story of uh, how King Arthur like killed like 90 men on his own or something like that i, I don't know yeah. i don't remember what the number is it's some absurdly high number but oh, that was like 900 <laughs> yeah maybe it, maybe it's 900 <laughs> but it's like we know that king arthur is just like this uh kind of fragile sickly looking man back at the castle so certainly he's not killing 900 people by himself um yeah but... i was gonna i was gonna ask what did you think about just that entire proposal scene because i think it's like one of the strongest points of the movie when it's just this, the sequence of just him going into the banquet and he's like, he gets invited up to sit next to him and has one of like my favorite line in the movie is when King Arthur, he says, um, I, think, uh, I think I wrote it down. Um, he's like, I recognize you, but I don't know you. And I mm-hmm. thought that was a really just, uh, like a, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, that line really kind of sat with me. Cause I was just like, yeah, like that is a, a really, uh, 
concise way to describe a lot of relationships in like in real life that are like kind of painful where it's like it's like I recognize you but I don't know you it's like what are you to tell me a story and then he's like I don't have anything and then you see like what uh, what follows is like yeah a very desperate and failed attempt of Gawain trying to to like be this knight that he wants to be but not really earning it but then it was also shadowed with the fact that his mom is like a wish and doing spells and like puts like the enchantment thing in his belt yeah. and she like does this whole ceremony and lights the the, le- the letter on fire as soon as the letter di- like burns up the green knight opens the door and so i was like yeah like, did she summon him i was like i thought that was kind of an interesting yeah. visual parallel that i didn't pick up in the poem i don't know if they mentioned his mom See, in i don't the poem i don't i don't i like i listen like i said i listened to the audio version of it on a long drive i did not pick up all of it but i do mm-hmm. not remember the mom ever being mentioned um okay and and because like in this movie they're saying it's like she's related she's like, to the king yeah and like, that she's like con- like she's composed this whole situation it seems like um, yeah i thought that was a really interesting choice yeah because he gets into like this drunken fight like at the bar he's like drinking about his dudes and it's like his mom's a witch and he just beats his ass outside the yeah. bar and he stumbles home and King Arthur's there and it's like he proceeds to like wash his face off and everything. It's like it's really like kind of Jesus disciple kind of moment. And yeah, it's just odd that like the mom is just like kind of lingering in the background. It's just, yeah, she's like the puppet master of all this. And-, and I feel like it's I think it's a little bit weaker of a story because of that. Like I don't know if you need the mom pulling the string. I don't know what that's necessarily adding here. It's adding something. <laughs> I don't know what it is and I don't know if I like it. It's adding that A24 magic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's no longer just the story. So, so, so the line, um, I recognize you, but I don't. What, what, what was the line exactly? Uh, he's like, he invites him up and he's like, I've known you. He's like, you're my sister's son. It's like, from, like all that stuff. And it's like, I recognize you, but I don't know you. But I don't and know so, you. Like, so I want you to like, tell me a story or tell me a, a song. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, you don't know someone until you've seen them tested. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it's like the Green Knight is the test. Uh, but then also him like first off like the green knight presenting a challenge like who's gonna rise to the occasion like that in itself is a test but then the journey to go actually receive the blow is another test and it's like he doesn't want to do it (laughs) uh, but he still does it Uh, and the whole way there he's failing all these other tests and his mom is watching his mom is embodying the fox Um, yeah yeah like I didn't catch that on the first view. I, I, that was something that really benefited from the second view is when, yeah, uh, is the Green Knight is someone you know. It's like a line that uh, the fox says to him. And I think it's like, hmm. isn't that like kind of like a circular thing? Like as if the mom is embodying the fox, but it's like also the mom <laughs> summoning the Green Knight. I don't know. I thought there was an a interesting sort of just like connection there. But yeah, I don't really know what it's leading to because, yeah, it's, the mom is sort of, yeah, she's just like, she's like his puppet master essentially but she doesn't really there's no really summation to her involvement yeah I don't like know. The, like, nothing really gets like resolved there's no like conflict I mean, she there, just really. she just wants her son to be a man it's a coming of age movie a bit. i guess so yeah or she just like she wants him to be a, a king so badly just for the sake yeah. of power maybe but I, I think you saying that makes it weak right i kind of agree with you because yeah i feel like it'd be better if it was more focused on yeah just gawain and just his 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 like his uh piece his role in this yeah. What did you think of uh, Joel Egerton as the Lord? Okay, so this is another thing that I was kind of just talking about, which is like, so he fails all of these tests along the way, and the 
head chopping scene that isn't in this movie it feels like it's mocking the idea of like being a knight because ultimately this the only reason this guy fails his challenges is because he's just a normal guy like like i don't think i don't think any of his failures are like how dare he like he doesn't want to give uh joel edgerton a hand job like that's not (laughs) that's i I think a lot of us could find ourselves in that situation like uh i don't think that's this big moral failure um yeah i think (laughs) yeah i was yeah the moral failure for me yeah it was more leaning towards yeah the lady sort of sneaking into his room and like she's like why didn't you come to my room last night he's like or why did you come to my chambers last night? And he's like, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, just, this, it wouldn't be right. And then, yeah, they proceed to have their little handshot scene. <laughs> and yeah, and then like it, it cuts to like the, the old woman kind of just sitting and watching. I like it. Just, that's that's interesting. Just, yeah, that freaks me out. Like this movie has a, like two, I think that's one of two jump scares is that. And then this like the moment with the skull looking back, turning it into the head. <laughs> what, yeah. What did you think of the whole Joel Edgerton thing? Uh, I like that sequence a lot. I think um, besides the introduction and like the whole Christmas game proposal, that section is probably my favorite. And I really, really enjoy it for uh, two two reasons. At the beginning of the movie, we see Gawain getting his portrait painted and he's like, mm-hmm. just, you know, he's posing, looking at a book or whatever. And there's like a person that's like painting, uh, like, you know, just a decent portrait of him. But then Later in the movie, he like goes and he he's reading the books. He's like, sorry, he's admiring her library, and she gives him this book, this heart shaped book. And she's like, "What should I like? Can I take your portrait?" And he's like, "I've had my portrait taken or whatever." And she's like, "Well, haven't had it done by me." And then she proceeds to lead him into the into this room, closes the, the yeah. curtains, and like essentially, like, yeah, she like paint, puts this like interesting like paint on the wall, opens up a small peephole, and like takes his picture essentially. Yeah. And I thought that was gorgeous. So just like just the way that it just played out visually, just it really sold me. It just, um, yeah, it's, I think one of the strongest points of this film is it's yeah, it's visual storytelling and just being able just to have those nice little moments. Well, something. That's, go, go finish your thought. Sorry. So yeah, so it was that, but also um, right before the sequence starts, it's like the end of the giant moment, and there's like a, a thunderstorm or like a, a strike of lightning, and then we get a flash a very brief one frame shot of the painting of Gawain mm-hmm. and the lady. And I really appreciate, you know, just the filmmaker just sneaking in that painting in one frame. It's literally like a blink and you'll miss it moment. Before but we've yeah. even seen the painting? Uh, no, not the painting of him. It's the, the 14th century depiction of oh, the story. Really? From, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a very, very brief, like one frame of just, yeah, it's Gawain inside the bed and then the lady above him essentially and yeah i just thought that was gorgeous because i was like wait hold on a second so i got to go back and like pause it yeah and it's it's, it's snuck in there so I, I was like okay yeah like this movie is doing like doing things i love that movies do is like being able to have the visuals and the music and all the acting be fantastic but also being able to to play with the medium in a way that is fun you know be able to you know, sneak a, a yeah. little painting in there yeah, i think that's really clever um, something I was going to say is, so in regards to the lady, this is like something I'm not totally on board with is her long monologue about why green, like why was the night green? Because mm-hmm. to me, it feels like, like during that scene, I was just thinking, shouldn't the audience be doing this work? Like, shouldn't the audience be wondering why green? Because it feels like this is a, a major symbol in the film that now the movie is just telling us like, 
hey, what do you think of this symbol? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like just like explaining the symbol to us. Um, did you see Ghost yeah, Story? Yeah, I agree. No, I, I wanted to watch it last night, but I was too tired. But yeah, that's next on the list. There's a scene I, in that movie with um, Will Oldham, Bonnie, Bonnie Prince Billy. Um, he's like at a party and he's just going off about like life, like giving this long, you know, monologue about life. And it feels like it's just like, here's a monologue about everything this movie's trying to explore, but we're just going to lay it out. Um, totally. Yeah, yeah. And it, that's what this scene of uh, Alicia Vikander saying, you know, white green felt like, yeah, it reminded me of that. And I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point because I yeah, I am like championing 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 this movie's um like subtlety and this movie's ability to to be visual and not to be too talky. But yeah, that is a point where it's just like, okay, yeah, you're sort of just laying the metaphor out just right in front yeah. of us. Because when I first watched this movie, going in completely blind, no, knowing nothing about the the legend or the poem or whatever, it's like I didn't know that that was King Arthur. I didn't know that, you know, he's handing Excalibur to cut off the stew's heads. Like, but now that I know these things, it's like, okay, it has a, a richness to it that is not spoken. It's just there. And if you know about it, it like it amplifies everything. But yeah, I don't know. I was maybe just too distracted by, you know, her dress and her just being just a, go a gorgeous addition <laughs> I mean, to the film. Because <laughs> it's like, I've heard, seen some people just be like, oh yeah, I really like that scene. I really like the monologue. Like, I really like her performance. And it's so I could... I, I could see people just being like, I really like that moment. <laughs> like, I don't have a problem with it at all. But for me, it's just, uh, I don't know. It just didn't, it, it didn't feel necessary to me. It, it just, yeah, like I said, it just made me think like, shouldn't the audience be asking them themselves this? Wouldn't this be an interesting conversation for the audience to have with each other rather than just yeah. have the movie uh, lay it out for us? Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And yeah, it, it is yeah the only part of the film where it, it gets really just like i yeah. guess it's not really exposition heavy but it's like just gets really heavy -handed. yeah otherwise this is fucking knocking it out of the park i would say yeah i just think yeah it's really really enjoyed just yeah just the colors of everything and yeah after that moment i think there's a really nice sort of uh, a moment where things get a little bit more colorful after that because yeah he it's the shot of him inside uh, of like it's like a wide shot and it's just like yeah it's like kind of a broken down te like temple or castle or yeah there's just like leaves overgrown everywhere and that's really nice and then what follows like the orange sequence with him and the fox after like uh trying to convince him not to continue down the the river or whatever so yeah i, I enjoyed that but yeah i think yeah you're you're totally right with that <laughs> this little uh little heavy hand i mean this whole, the news. this whole conversation is making me want to watch it again i'm probably gonna watch it like as soon as we stop recording so yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I was trying to be a super nerd about it because when I was reading, like, oh yeah, the five nightly virtues. I wonder if there's like uh, symbolism with the like the number five in this movie. Uh, there's like the there's like is it the pentacle? I want to say oh. pentagram, but I, is that wrong? Um, honestly, I I don't know the fucking difference. Pentacle, pentagram. Uh, yeah, but that's like the the sigil like on King Arthur's neck. It's like on the ground. It's on the ground. Yeah. Also, the very opening scene. There's five geese fighting the one. Well, not like fighting, but there's like one white geese and four brown ones. And there's like mm. a, a bull or something else. Okay, I think that's like the only few times that the movie like like kind of gives a uh, gives those like that visualization of that number theme. But I was like, oh, maybe this is like all over the movie. But luckily, it wasn't all over the movie. It's just in a, a few specific spots. So I'm looking it up. A pentagram, I believe, is just the star. A pentacle is a star in a circle. I believe okay. that is. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. I also, yeah, I love the fact that the Green Knight is walking and he's holding mistletoe above his head. And I was like, oh yeah, Green Knight has a sense of humor. <laughs> it's Christmas, he's coming in with the mistletoe above his yeah. head. So yeah, it's, it's like whimsical. And I was talking to Gavin about this. Now I feel like people might be sort of burnt out over uh, you know, medieval fantasy type of things because Game of Thrones ended not too long ago and it sort of like crash landed, yeah. burned, fiery ended in a really bad way. And I and I we think... had that amazing Guy Ritchie movie, though. Oh, oh what, what, what movie? <laughs> he did King Arthur. Guy Ritchie did a King Arthur. Oh, movie. I totally, I totally <laughs> forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that totally flew over my head. Because I remember seeing the posters for that. Yeah, not being excited. But I think that's just because it was uh, explicitly, oh, yeah, this is a King Arthur movie. So I, in my mind, I put it in the category of like, it's just Robin Hood bullshit. You're just trying to like. Yeah like just add oh. do, an ad, do an adaptation of a popular property that what, everyone knows about wasn't there a this robin hood movie recently also oh, yeah it was awful yeah with jamie fox <laughs> i think it's just yeah. called hood <laughs> yeah yeah that new robin hood movie is really 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 bad yeah them using arrows as like machine guns and shit it's just ridiculous huh. um but yeah i think yeah that sort of feeds to my point of yeah there's like a little bit of fatigue with that with like the big name properties and i appreciate that this movie is sort of sneaky about it being like sort of a king arthur and like a an old medieval tale but it's more like surreal and psychedelic yeah. and calling it the green knight and like you know just you know having the talking fox and stuff and so it's like it felt really new to me and it felt new enough to me that like it kind of made me really yeah. excited to be back in this world and to be back in back in this realm of magic and swords and you know yeah, it, it made me really happy to kind of yeah. see a mature, quiet version of something like that, as opposed mm-hmm. to Jamie Foxx <laughs> teaching this kid how to shoot arrows with his feet. <laughs> like, yeah, it's weird because it's not it's not about action spectacle. It's still about spectacle, but it's just yeah, like yeah. beautifully uh, realized scenery and costumes and performances. And yeah, yeah I do have one <laughs> one gripe. Uh, I think. Uh, there is a, a common thing with A24, uh, maybe movies and TV. This happens in, uh, what's the show? It happens in Euphoria quite a bit, where there's just like a really slow upside down shot. Uh, and I was like, I was just like, okay, like I don't quite know like what you're trying to convey with like just doing or like, and it looks pretty, it looks cool, but I don't know. I like, I feel like I, I'm blanking on naming other movies where it happens, but I feel like that's like, kind of like a reliable trick to happen in like the second act it's of like, your movie. Everything's topsy turvy now. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's upside yeah, it's just like, okay guys, like Literally. gotta find a find a different visual trick to yeah. you know, to sort of convey that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I'm not yeah, I'm over that shut. For sure. Uh any other thoughts about the Green Knight? I think uh, I think that I'm I think I'm good on that. Okay. Um, what have you been watching lately? What have I, I watched the Suicide Squad? Did you watch the Suicide Squad? I did watch the Suicide Squad. What did you think? Uh, I dug it. I mean, I will preface this by saying, for the first Suicide Squad movie, that was probably the most fucked up I've been in a movie recently. I was okay. like very, very high, very, very drunk at a drive-in. Uh, balls. Yeah, we were, we were, yeah, we were in the drive-in, so there was a lot of like lights pointing at the screen, and it was just like a very overwhelming experience. Added to the fact that that movie is horrible, and it's just like an insane, just it's just overwhelming and just too much. It's just the, this late DC 
sort of edgy type of thing. Yeah. yeah and like Margot Robbie's great, but besides that, yeah, there's nothing, not, not, there's nothing really redeeming about the first Suicide Squad movie. Seeing this one was fantastic. It was just me and my buddy Daniel just sitting down his, uh, in his house watching this movie, had a couple beers and it was, it was great. James Gunn is just fantastic. I think he is really, really great with ensembles and yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I saw it in theaters. I saw like I saw the first ten minutes at home because I was like, I just want to get a feel for this. And then we saw it in theaters, and we were about ten minutes late, so it like picked up right where I left off. But uh, which is unfortunate because I feel like those ten minutes do a great job of setting the scene and setting the tone. And like, oh yeah, yeah. So just like walking in, and it's like you know the uh, the quote unquote Suicide Squad is about to storm the beach. It's like, I'm, I, I didn't get to see these characters meet each other. Like, that would have been nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I think the movie, it was fun. <laughs> uh, I think, I think Guardians is still better. I think Guardians, Guardian, Guardians, I think is really special because it manages to <clears throat> give almost all of its characters a story. <laughs> like, almost all of its characters have an arc. I don't think that's the case in this one. Um, even like our main crew that we follow through the majority of the movie, I don't think they all have stories really. Like, uh, we're gonna get. I I think we could get into spoilers. So spoilers for Suicide Squad for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, yes, yeah. it's on HBO Max. Very easy to watch. Um, but Ratcatcher Two doesn't have a story really. Like at, at yeah, the end, really. she has this like flashback to her father, and I don't like. I don't really understand what purpose the father, like the, the the father feels like it's trying to give her relationship with her father. It's like uh, James Gunn is saying, well, this character has to, has to have some sort of emotional core. Um, and that's the only thing we could call back to. Um, but there isn't really a story there. Like she like lived up to her dad. Like, is that the story by being a hero? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And it, there, it feels like really not like arcs, but just like small, just like, they go from like A to B sort of. They just, yeah. get a little, they just like morph a little bit. Because it's like, like I mentioned earlier, Fury Road. Every character, every one of the wives has some sort of development over the course of that movie. Even if it's small, like they all have some sort of development. Here it's like a polka dot man. Um, he says his mother, he hates his mother. His mother experimented on him and his siblings. Uh, seems to be that like a very abusive situation. And uh, he, he, fantasizes about that everyone all of his enemies are his mother and it makes it easier for him to kill them um yeah. at the great end <laughs> yeah it's great it's really funny i really like the character but then at the end right before he spoilers again he, he gets squashed he says i'm a superhero and he's really excited about it and it's that was strange to me because why is he celebrating this thing when it's so highly associated with abuse and yeah <laughs> that's very valid yeah uh so yeah, like the movie, like it was really fun. It felt like he didn't care too much about his character. Maybe like the whole point at the beginning of him killing off that first team is to say like, look, this isn't, we're not going to get too deep into our characters. Like this isn't, it's going to have a lot of characters, but we're not going to, I don't care too much about them. We're just here to have a good time, do some splatter comedy. Um, in which yeah. case, like it was a fun ride. But um, knowing that he's capable of doing that by by having seen Guardians of the Galaxy, it just made me want a little bit more. That's fair. Yeah, it is like a really, I don't want to say bloated, but yeah, it's a fucking massive cast of characters. Yeah. And so it does feel like, yeah, well, what are we going to do? We kind of have to 
cut a few corners and yeah i feel like uh what's the main guy uh not death strike is that was uh, what's the uh, bloodshot right is it blood bloodshot yeah blood sport yeah blood sport <laughs> blood strike i i honestly um, don't know i think i want to say it's blood sport now but yeah it's blood sport okay yeah. okay yeah even his thing is like his uh, yeah he's just like saving his daughter and like i don't know it, it, it feels well, it's like he ends up being a hero in his child's eyes. I feel like he's the only yeah. one who has a story. Like, his daughter's ashamed of him. He does something that makes her proud. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's like a solid one. And then, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I like Peacemaker. It, it is, like, the whole sequence with him just, like, just tearing down the, like, <laughs> the camp of refugees, like, the the camp of, uh, like, oh, the fighters yeah, in the, the jungle, whatever. It's just like, or... Yeah, the revolutionaries. Yeah, and then they, like, do the joke of, like, oh, wait, like, <laughs> those are actually, like, the good guys on our yeah. team. Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's good. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't honestly thinking too much about, yeah, their progressions. I was just more concerned with yeah. was, like, to, and it was, finishing this mission. Yeah, and it was only after the fact that I was, like me and Emily walk out of the theater and we're having a discussion about like, what did we just watch? Uh, yeah, Cause yeah. like when you're along for the ride, you're having fun. Um, it's, it's big. It's fucking loud. It's fucking colorful. Um, it's James. I feel like, I feel like you watch this and you watch Guardians of the Galaxy's volume two. You know exactly who James Gunn is as a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like the, um, the visual visualizations of like the chapters like sort of being mm-hmm. within like the scene like written on the beach or like the pipes that like say Jodenheim and then the camera goes down like, I, like yeah. those little visual Fucking things made it really nice Warner Brothers presents like yeah. <laughs> Savant's head explodes and then it spells out the, with the blood that was great um, yeah yeah it's like a lot of just fun for the sake of fun type of shit yeah, yeah. good for him he made a fucking bubblegum blood splatter comic book movie yeah he had a good time doing it yeah a little bit of a i think a somewhat of a redemption for him too after getting fired from guardians uh, of the yeah. galaxy 3 too so like i don't know him going to dc and like knocking suicide squad out the yeah. park i feel like is proof that yeah he's like not bound by any you know marvel or whatever like he's just a, a great director and he understands how like i have a lot of characters on screen and we have the ability to dig into the vaults and get some really funky characters on the screen just for the sake of fuck it, it's going to be a good time. Then yeah. he's the guy to call. Yeah. Your characters are your ingredients and then you're mixing your ingredients in interesting ways to see what, what, uh, meals it produces, I guess. Yeah. But it does have an, it has a lot of characters. So yeah, it's going to be tough to get, well, get an arc for every single one, but yeah, definitely tried. Yeah. This definitely, it had like, I think of the main group. Cause let's see guardians of the galaxy. We got, uh, star Lord, um raccoon groot they're kind of an item groot doesn't really get a story he only says one word <laughs> drax drax gamora and is that it it's just the five of them so, yeah. and so with this one we have Ratcatcher 2 harley quinn peacemaker blood sport uh the shark polka dot man and rick flag so we have two more characters harder to deal with yeah um, well, I also give props to Margot Robbie for doing the foot escape and actually being real, like a real thing that she did. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah, that her action scene in this in that movie was fucking <laughs> <it's> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, what what have you been watching lately? Anything else? So I finished The Sopranos, okay. and I wanted to just give a like a sort of circle back to us. I know I mentioned I was like into it and i feel like i've found 
the actual words to help articulate why exactly this show is so highly lauded and why I really like fell in love with it. We were talking about therapy a little bit before this episode started. And one of the angles of The Sopranos and why it's so good is that it's about Tony Soprano dealing with mob life in New Jersey, but it's also him dealing with therapy and like having him go to a therapist. And he's uh, basically the, the entire thing, like he's dealing with a lot of stress and then that stress leads into having frequent panic attacks. And so his wife is like, if you're going to be having these panic attacks, you got to go see someone about this and figure out what the fuck is going on with you. And so I think it is a really, really beautiful show for just being very honest about, about therapy and mental health and like mm. just, just dealing with just the sheer shit show that is life and kind of what it's like to sort of get like sort of give that to another person and like talk to someone else and like, you know, really sift through the like the wreckage of your life and so i think there's it's really really good because yeah his mom is like a fancy it's just like a really crazy just like uh condescending just like it's a real like case and like yeah it's just a, a lot of the characters are just like kind of unhinged and doing things like without his permission and so yeah tony soprano's dealing with like a lot of external stress and uh props to james gandolfini for just being a fantastic actor because he's yeah, he's really great on screen and just like uh, depicting like kind of just like boiling all that down and sort of like what happens when you like don't really have a healthy way to like let the steam out. And yeah, I, uh, I'm blanking on the actress's name who plays uh, his therapist, Dr. Melfi. But yeah, it's like there's a really good relationship there at the like the center of the show. And that's one of the things where I was like, yeah, like all of the gangster stuff is like, it's, it's nice it's funny they're like you know they're you know the gabagool there's lots of like lingo and shit like yeah. a lot of good like all that stuff is like good and fun but i think where the soprano shines is when it's just tony and dr melfi inside of that therapist's office and they're just like breaking down just like his mom or his dad and just like what's it like to have like a mob boss as your dad he was just like very traditional masculine figure or mm-hmm. Or yeah, I don't know it's just, it does those things really well, and it gets a lot of criticism for how it ends. And the ending of it is sort of turned into a joke, kind of a meme of just been like it ends. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it just ends very abruptly. That's the only thing I've heard. Yeah, yeah, and I was going into that thinking that would be that would hurt the show, and I think it actually makes the show it, it, it really benefits, and it feels kind of you know a little artistic and very up to your own interpretation and i, I really like that hmm. yeah it's it's good it, it does uh bum me out it, it's not the most flattering depictions of other cultures that are like black people or uh muslims when it gets hmm. sort of the like the once 9 11 happens like they're like the way that the characters are sort of talking and referring to other people it gets kind of it, it is a little dicey in that regard. That sounds really funny. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's a it's such an interesting show because it's like, yeah, it shows up in the late '90s and it, it's around for like two or three seasons, and then 9/11 happens, and then it's like all the characters are just like, now they're making yeah, jokes. We gotta about, support like, our troops. Yeah, they're making jokes like, yeah, it, it gets it gets interesting. So yeah, I just wanted to just give a shout out to that because I know I was mentioning it, but I felt like I found that I feel like I understand why it is so adored by people now. I also want to give a shout out to show on Hulu, uh, Wu-Tang and American Saga. Uh, okay. So it got, uh, got picked up for a second season. And I, I binge watched this show in like three nights. It's so good. It's like 10 episodes. It's basically just about like, yeah, just sort of the infighting with like Staten Island and like just 
like that crew being really young and just like figuring out how they're going to get out of like the shitty situations that they're in. I think it's just fantastically cast. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know how much you know about the Wu-Tang Clan or about like the, this, <laughs> felt like all of the members, but yeah, I think it does a really solid job of they, just yeah, portraying do, them. Do they each have a story? Um, it, like it's, it's more focused on just the RZA, but it does give a good amount of time to everybody else. Mm-hmm like how they're like all woven together and it's yeah it's really well shot there's one episode where it's basically it's three scenes that are happening before a musical performance and it's all like one long take each Mm -hmm. time and yeah like there's another episode that's like you like you're following a pigeon around new york city so the pigeon will start at one character's house and then it'll fly to another character's house and so you know it was like it was really cool it was was having yeah it was having fun with like just the medium and once they start to like make songs and make beats that you recognize, it's just like, I get chills. Cause it's like, okay, I'm a sucker for, you know, finding like seeing depictions of how these songs get written or how these ideas get made. So yeah, I think it's a really, really good show and I'm really excited for season two. Um, have you seen the trailer for respect? No. <laughs> okay. It like, it looks so bad, but it has like that <laughs> scene in it where it's like, how did they come up with respect? <laughs> uh, and they're like, re, re. Okay. oh, Gosh, re, re. Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. Re, re, re. Yeah, yeah, that's and, like uh, the, the real cheesy biopic shit. Yeah, <laughs> like there was a review where someone was like, how does this movie exist in a world where Walk Hard, The Legend of Dewey Cops has already come out? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we've already seen these cliches. We've already parodied them. Like, we can't do this anymore. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, it's it's, it's really tricky. And it's also even trickier when you have, you know, nine members you know one of these one of the characters is odb you know how do you yeah. have odb on screen and have it not be silly but yeah I the think odb it, show yeah i think it's really good it, it's really respectful and i think they did a really great job cool. yeah i want to check that out yeah all right um we haven't really talked about what franchise we're gonna jump into um should we keep that as a spoiler for the next one? Uh, <laughs> I mean, if we haven't talked okay. about it, then we don't know. So Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I had some ideas, but nothing okay. set in stone. All right. We'll chat about this offline then. Okay, cool. I'm going to do a sign off because I got to get to work. Right. right. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. You can hit us with questions, comments, or concerns. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can tweet at us at vaguezone. Let us know what you're watching. Let us know if you want us to watch something. We'll watch it. Tell us what to watch. We'll do it. I dare you to tell us something to watch. We'll, we'll freaking do it. All right. This has been episode 48 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. Peace.